This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokatov, good morning. How are you? Bokatov, um, I can assure you that even if you think it's spring in your neck of the woods, it's definitely not autumn in our neck of the woods. It is a very firmly summary here. No doubt about that whatsoever. Um, so usually things kind of work in opposites, mm, but um, mm, not in at this the particular case, I can assure you that it's uh, it's not happening. Um, interesting that the head of the Mossad has gone to Washington uh, to apparently talk to the U.S. administration about a Saudi agreement, if that's um, something that's that, that's really happening. I mean, I suppose if the head of the Mossad has gone to Washington, mm-hmm. it's looking quite real. And uh, just another little story about an Israeli merchant ship that has apparently broken the Russian blockade on wheat exports from the Black Sea through the Ukrainian ports on the Black Sea. This is a merchant ship, a merchant navy ship that's gone into the Black Sea in spite of the Russian blockade and apparently anchored in the Danube, uh, which runs into the Black Sea and the I learned something new today because I had no idea that the mouth of the Danube was actually in Ukrainian territory. The entire mouth of the Danube as it runs into the Black Sea is in Ukraine. Um, I knew that the Danube run, ran along the border between Ukraine and Romania as it approached the Black Sea. Um, but actually the entire mouth of the Danube is in Ukraine and apparently that's where this Israeli merchant navy ship is highly controversial indeed um, and interesting to see how the Russians might respond to that. Mm. So those are the little um, issues that we um, are dealing with at the moment. Um, and of course, we've still got a big topic of discussion on our plate where we start, which we started yesterday and we hopefully will continue um, with that now. So let's, let's do that. The, the, where we got up to was trying to establish that, that the, uh, the government is, is not necessarily fully representative, um, and, and they certainly are made up of parties that are pushing their own agenda to, to a greater extent or lesser extent, and that the Supreme Court has in the past been used to balance the to balance those interests, the concern on exactly. my side was that the Supreme Court is not an elected body. I mean, it is, but not democratically elected by the people, and at which which could bring interest uh, also agenda um, on on in, in the alternative. There are no Haredi judges, Correct. for example. Uh, so now let's let's just try and and figure out. 
what is what 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 the reasonableness clause is, how they could have done it differently. I think we said that judicial reform is accept is yeah, I think everybody accepts or the majority accept that some form of judicial reform is necessary, but the way in which it's happening is is problematic. Can you continue with correct with where yeah, we're there? I mean, and and the point is that fiddling with the Supreme Court and the rights of the Supreme Court fiddle with it, it kind of adjusts the status quo and what I tried to present yesterday was as a result of this um, different demographic makeup that we have in Israel we have a very very precariously balanced system where everybody is trying to promote their own interests and agendas and they use certain backups they use certain uh, fallback positions in order to protect themselves and in order to help them to further their agenda. So if we look at the individual interest groups that we discussed yesterday, in order to understand where the Supreme Court fits into this whole constellation, I think it's interesting just to see, again, the various interest groups and what their fallback positions are. So, for example, if we look at the Arab, uh, at the Arabs as a group, as an interest group, Arabs represent 20% approximately 21% of Israelis, their representation in the Knesset is less than 10%. So they have almost half of the representation in the Knesset relative to their uh, their uh, demographic makeup in Israel. And they are not really able to push their own agenda, their special interests through the Knesset because mm. they just don't have enough power there to do so. The question is to what exactly the agenda of the Arabs in Israel is, is is a good question and one that's not easy to answer. But certainly some of them have an interest to try and promote, for example, the idea that um, Israel might be ruled by an Arab government rather than by a Jewish government. And to that extent, they are using Hamas and Fatah and, the, and in particular the Palestinian Authority to present influence over the Israeli government, using, of course, foreign powers to promote those interests. So the Arabs in Israel, many of them, are actually quite closely aligned to foreign Arab groups, groups that are not within Israel, because they don't really have a lot of influence from within Israeli society. Um, so that's an interesting one. If we look at, for example, the modern Orthodox group, they also haven't traditionally used their representation in the Knesset to further their agenda. Currently, we have the exceptional situation with Smotrich and with Ben Gvir, where they are very much promoting their agenda. They've uh, assumed highly influential positions within the government to promote the agenda of the modern Orthodox community in Israel. Their agenda is by and large, in the most part, all about the land borders of the state of Israel and making sure that Jews have access to as much of the land borders as is possible. Um, so, um, the, uh, so the idea is that they have done that from, with, from outside of the Knesset rather than from within the, within the Knesset up until now. They've established very, very strong representations in Judea and Samaria. They have very, very strong structures um, in those areas, uh, municipal structures who are very influential over the government. That's how the modern Orthodox community have tried to present their agenda items to the general Israeli population and to promote their special interests. When we look at 
the ultra-Orthodox community. Their agenda items, as I mentioned yesterday, are all about preserving Jewish nature of Israel, preserving the Shabbat and, and, and halachic law. Their interests are also not serving in the army and promoting their yeshivas. And they do that through their leaders, through the influence within the Knesset. So the ultra-Orthodox parties generally try to wangle their way into almost every Israeli government, almost at any price. And in return for agreeing to uh, support the government of the day, whatever it is, they demand their budgets, they demand their special interests, and the general ultra-Orthodox community in Israel try to support their leaders or, or train, they have a cultural concept of supporting their leaders through the Knesset. Of course, um, in terms of the judicial system, the ultra-Orthodox community also rely very much on the rabbinical court system, which is an entirely separate parallel system, and their representation in the judiciary and the judicial system in Israel is generally through the rabbinical court system. So then when we come to the broader non religious community, and yesterday I said that I'm not really calling it secular because it's really made up of different groups. The, 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 the non-religious community have an agenda of trying to promote equality in the, in the most part, protection of their freedoms of choice on religion, on sexuality, improving education and medical infrastructure, environmental sensitivities, strong defense, and also their special interest is to make sure that other minority groups do not impose upon them to, uh, to, to limit their freedoms of choice. That is really the agenda of the non-religious group in Israel. And how do they achieve that? What is their backfall position? Well, they're constantly having to fight against the imposition of certain issues upon them by minority interest groups like the Haredim, for example, like the allocation of budgets to a Haredi schooling system, which might be disproportionate to the allocation of budgets to the uh, secular schooling system. So the, the non-religious community are generally fighting against impositions of things which potentially protect, which potentially impinge upon their freedoms. And they use the high court system for that purpose. That is their fallback position. So the moment we start tampering with the high court and the way in which the high court uh, operates within this society, we are effectively dismantling or tampering with the fallback position that many people in Israel who value their freedoms of choice on a myriad of different so, issues. Right. We are essentially so, dismantling their fallback position. So, and so I just want to stop you there because I've just I've been listening very carefully to to what you're saying, and and I just want to make a couple of observations. And w what seems what it seems to me is that a lot of this, certainly maybe from your perspective, maybe this is a maybe you're reflecting a, 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 a general concern, and if you are, then I find it even even more interesting because a lot of the language that you're using is quite anti Haredi in a way. You use words like wrangle their way in at any cost, all about the money, imposing on other people, and and that's it might all be true. So I'm not I'm I'm not making um, a, a, a comment about any. Anything else, but but I find the the language, the almost anti-Haredi language, quite um, quite strong. 
and um, and and uh, which 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 maybe leads me to think that perhaps this actually isn't about judicial reform at all, and it is more about the fight for what the identity of Israel is because you've got a segment of the population as you pointed out who and you use the word impose who want to impose certain um, laws but in by, by nature laws are imposed so so it it it, it, it I question that because you know we impose uh, traffic uh, restrictions we impose all sorts of things we do that but but in in the in the context that you're referring to it you're talking about imposing religious Associated laws, maybe be about being open on a Shabbat, maybe about um, you know uh, 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 single-sex marriages, or thing, things like that. Uh, and again, I'm not giving my view on it. I, I, I just find it fascinating that maybe that the whole idea of the judicial reform fight and argument is actually more about what the nature, the Jewish nature of Israel. Should be because you've got this this group, the Haredi group, who would like it to be much more strongly associated with laws of Judaism, and you've got a secular or and maybe modern Orthodox together there who are much more open and liberal and accepting of a different lifestyle. Isn't it at the end of the day what this argument boils down to? Um, Howard, your observations are very accurate, and the language that I've used and that you've picked on, uh, picked up on certain terminologies and, and, and terms that I've used, I think very accurately represent exactly what you've said, that this is really a discussion about the Jewish nature of Israel and who has the right to determine exactly what the Jewish nature of Israel will be moving forward. Is it a country that should be governed according to halachic law, should be subject to judicial, uh, should be subject to judicial, uh, rabbinical courts, I'm sorry, should be, you know, have all of those um, Jewish, very, very strongly Jewish, uh, pot- potentially orthodox Jewish rules um, in, uh, set out as, as the governing tenets of the state of Israel. Is it okay for the hospital to say, you should not bring chametz into my hospital on Pesach. Is that the way in which we want to run the country? Or is there something which says that we have such a wide range of Jewish thoughts and views that somehow we need to try to accommodate all Jews, whether they happen to be orthodox or not orthodox, whether they happen to care about the religion or not care at all about the religion, because some people who are not orthodox care very much about the religion and don't observe Shabbat. Mm, mm. Why? Because their particular line of belief is that the way in which the orthodox observance of Shabbat is carried out is not according to their belief, whatever it is. So they are proud Jews and they want to be Jews and they are observant in their own way, but they don't observe Shabbat for whatever their reason might be. Do we want to accommodate all of the rainbow of Jews, be they men, be they women, be they single sex, be they they heterosexual, be they religious denominations of one sort or another, or do we wish a particular grouping, whether they be a majority or minority grouping, to determine on behalf of everybody how things should be run. And I think that that is a lot about 
what this discussion centers on. And, you know, the, the, the general view of the non-religious community is if you want to be religious, by all means, be religious. Observe the Shabbat, do whatever you want, but do it on your own terms. Do it in your own place. Don't come to my neighborhood and, uh, and, uh, Force me, in a sense, to do something which is not what I want to do. Force me not to be able to travel on Shabbat because there's no public transport. Mm. Um, when I would like to travel on Shabbat on public transport, is that something that we can decide on behalf of other communities? So the general view is live and let live. If you guys don't want to have public transport, be my guest. If you do, uh, but we want to have public transport in our area. I mean, it's just one example. Mm. Or if it needs to be laws of kashrut or whatever it is, do we decide that every restaurant has to abide by the laws of kashrut? According to who? According to which rabbinic authority? Are kitniot okay on Pesach or not okay on Pesach? How do we, how do we air these views and how do we get all of that sorted out? And the point is that by one group deciding on, on behalf of everybody, what should be done becomes difficult. And that's exactly why the uh, non-religious community, those people who want to uh, promote the rights of women in our society, those pe people who want to promote the rights of single-sex couples in our society, if that's what they choose, those people who want to promote the rights of people not to observe the Shabbat if that's what they want to do, they are the ones who are feeling threatened by what's going on with the High Court of Justice because they see the High Court of Justice as being their backup to... Um, get greater freedoms to preserve greater freedoms in our society. I've run over yeah. again. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's uh, such a fascinating conversation. Uh, Kim says, loving this adult conversation had with total respect. And of course, that's exactly right. That is what we try and do. Anthony Rockets, again, all we, I don't know where the time goes, but that's all we have time for. It is 801. Thank you. As always, we'll catch you tomorrow morning at 745. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. Dot com.